Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring me. And who are you? That's right. How old are you now? I forget. Don't look at me that way. I'm old. <laughs> well, you're, no matter how old you get, you're comparatively new to being a person, whereas I will always be comparatively new to soccer to a lot of people listening to us, even though I really have been following the sport four or five years. You think that makes me qualified to uh, you know, have us co-host a show like this? where we do mini previews from world matches all the world over? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, I thought you were going to say it probably doesn't qualify us. Mm-hmm. But that's all right, because we still have a lot of fun, qualified or not, don't we? Yeah. This particular week, we're going to be looking at matches from June 9 through 15. That's Friday through Thursday, our standard soccer week for this particular episode. And when we say we'll go everywhere, we mean anywhere. We strive to create something really unique. We're going to do a lot of fun things, have a lot of segments, I don't think you brought out your. I don't think you're doing your ukulele this week, but we've got some music. Personoob is going to help a lot more with some of the previews and her own special segment. Do you want to give him a hint what that's about? Sandwiches. Oh, okay. I didn't know we were going to do one of those where it's going to be the return of an old segment. I love it. Love it. Love it. As far as the footy goes, we will go to any country, any confederation in the world, big or small, top flight leagues, some second division, some women's stuff, international team teams and tourneys, if it's important where it's being played, there's a really good chance it's on our radar. And that means you're going to catch matches here that nobody else is going to be talking about. So what do you say we dive right in? Oh, yeah. All right. Time for March number one. Won't try singing it soulfully or otherwise, but in the words of Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Team New brings you mini match previews. Our first one is a Saturday match. No Friday matches were quite shiny enough to make our list, and we do things more or less chronologically, at least by day. Major League Soccer, your feature match. Uh, first of all, for newer or burgeoning fans, a little bit about the league. There's the Eastern and Western Conferences. The top nine finishers from each of these conferences will make the playoffs. So basically, you've got to play in-game to get into the final eight for each one. The tournament that they are also playing to get into internationally, CONCACAF, our home region organization, has changed its name from the CONCACAF Champions League, which just finished up, to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. There are some, you know, format changes, number of teams getting in, but a functional, uh, you know, functionally it's the same thing. It's going to be all the best teams from around the U.S., Mexico, and a few other places that get in. The champion in Major League Soccer from each of the two conferences will automatically qualify, plus the next best two overall in the aggregate table. So combine the two conferences, they could be both from the East, both from the West. Those aren't the only teams that will go from America, but those are the only ones that will qualify directly from regular season play. 
Our feature match this week, like most you can catch on MLS Season Pass on Apple, it's going to start at 10.30 Eastern time because it's out in Vancouver. An interconference matchup, number six in the West, Vancouver, versus number one in the East, FC Cincinnati. Looking at their respective conference tables, Vancouver lead number 10, Houston, by three. That's important, of course, because Houston is the first team out of the current playoff picture, although there's well over half the season to go. Cincinnati, they are holding on to that number one spot currently by eight points over uh, second-best Nashville. They are just running rampant over the league. Who thought we would have been saying that uh, even two and a half years ago? Let's talk about the home team first. Once again, as is our tradition, Vancouver. Normally, well, always in the past, they have not been able to get to international play except by winning the Canadian Championship, where the three Major League Soccer teams play and some other teams from up in Canada, and one of them would get in. They are now eligible to get into Major League Soccer play. Exciting. 2015, they finished second best in the West. That is the best regular season that they have ever had. Twice they have been to the now CONCACAF Champions Cup 2016. They made the semifinals pretty darn good. Last year, not pretty darn good at all. They only finished in ninth, missed the playoffs. This year, the defense is average for the conference. The offense has been very good. They're second best in that regard, getting one and two-thirds goals per match. Top four goal differential. I don't see this team climbing anywhere near the top of the division, but I think they could flirt with hosting a first-round home game, get a top four finish. Some key players to look for, kind of starting in reverse order here. I like looking at some interesting stats for uh, more established fans, players that you might not be hearing about uh, in other previews. Number one in successful dribbles per 90. Who's not getting dispossessed? Who is the engine for getting the offense going? Almost five per every 90 minutes is uh, Daybear uh, Caidacedo. He is a Colombian midfielder, just 23 years old. He is not playing full 90-minute matches yet for them. Sort of a, a, a spot starter, play a half at a time maybe, but he's very effective when he's in. Third best in successful tackle rate, uh, getting three and a third per match, is their uh, Canadian defensive midfielder uh, from Canada, Ali Ahmed. He might still be out, though, from uh, concussion. Uh, I, from what I've read, it's very hit or miss for this particular game. He's been out for a bit. Brian White is the con- continues to be the guy that impresses and doesn't impress for me from this club at the same time. He gets a lot of goals, but he is Mr. Missing big chances. He's only got six on the season, and that's the bad. But if he were getting half of his quote-unquote big misses, as the stat I've read is, he would probably be leading the lead for the golden boot. Now, of course, every time I end up previewing one of the games, he gets one or two goals. So maybe I should uh, invest some money into a Whitecaps result. The MVP for this team is definitely Julian Gressel, their American right back. Three goals, five assists, very good tackler. They were able to pick him up from D.C. United, to my surprise. Team's current form, just one, one, and one over their last three. Defense, once again, sliding a little bit, eight and six on the goal differential. And now Cincinnati looking to continue their very winning ways. They were founded in 2015, and this is just their fifth season in Major League Soccer. Slightly longer time, you know, fans will know that they were in the USL before that. They won the second division USL championship, in fact, in 2018. Last year in Major League Soccer, they finished in fifth place, and that's far and away the best they've ever done. Normally, they are the wielders of the uh, wooden spoon, one of the worst teams in the league, or at least the conference. They are also number one, by the way, in the Supporters' Shield race. That means they have the number one record overall in the league. 
The offense is very good. They're about on par with Vancouver. That puts them top four in the East. Uh, But they have the number one defense over there by a lot, giving up only two goals every three matches on average. Number three on goal differential. I think without a little bit more offense, it's going to be asking a lot for Cincinnati to even win the East, even though they've got a big lead. At the very least, I think we will get a race. But boy, they have been playing so good. Number three in clearances per 90 minutes, defensive side, Sebastian Ibiaga from Nigeria, their center back. He spent the heart of his career with NYCFC, so MLS fans know him well. And then uh, second best in the league in clean sheets, a name that's been a little bit less familiar to me, Roman Celentano, 23 years old. I'm not seeing any transfer rumors about him over to Europe, but I got to think that's going to be coming as the season goes on. I do think their MVP outfielder overall has been Alvaro uh, Barrio from Argentina, another defensive player, left back 22 years old, but he gets up the field quite a bit. He's got a couple of goals, four assists. He plays some attacking midfielder for them sometimes. Good dribbler, great tackler. I think that they would prefer him in the middle of the field, but he's just not quite an accurate enough passer. Team's current form, nine straight wins and unbeaten in their last 12. I like them to get a result out of this match. Match number B. Another Saturday match and another one here stateside. And another reminder that, yes, you did not miss here. Number B, so much more couth than that nasty old bathroom talk that is number two. Join the center revolution to replace that specific phrase in your daily life. Use the digit that is to put the whole phrase together. Yuck. Let's be polite society. All right, the second division, USL Championship, uh, East and West, just like Major League Soccer for their two conferences. The top eight from each conference will make the playoffs. They got gypped a little bit a couple of weeks ago during their very nice U.S. Open Cup run, which we will uh, mention. Now we're back for a fuller preview. Uh, Number B in the East, see, listening to it in action, Pittsburgh versus number one, Charleston. Charleston currently lead them by two. But Pittsburgh have a match in hand. You can watch this one on the tube as well. ESPN Plus, that says 7 o'clock Eastern time. The Riverhounds of Pittsburgh, they won the 2019 East uh, regular season. But the quarterfinals, uh, their appearance that came after that is the furthest they've ever gone in the current USL playoffs. That just really hasn't been their uh, milieu. That's the right word. Kind of go a little bit Monty Python there. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the regular season and made it to the conference semifinals. This year, they are riding that defense hard. They are the only team in the East giving up less than a goal per match. Top three offense to go with it. For their offense, tied for number one in scoring in the entire league with nine is Albert Dequa from Cameroon. He's their striker. Came over from St. Louis. Interesting that they were willing to let him go right before their inaugural Major League Soccer season. And then tied for number one in assists. So if you could shut down either of these two guys, you've got a pretty good chance of getting a result at least. Uh, with four on the years, Canardo Forbes from uh, Jamaica, center fielder, veteran, 35 years old. But I think their overall sneaky best or most valuable player has been their center back on the defensive side. Uh, Spanish... Uh, fellow named Arturo Ordonez. He's also got three goals and assists, but all of his defensive stats, tackling, uh, interceptions, clearances. He is loaded up everywhere and he's a really good dribbler to boot. So he is uh, multifunctional. Uh, He was with Houston for a while, but he hasn't made any, he never made any senior team appearances with them. Team's current form, they just lost three to one at Cincinnati. No shame there in the U.S. Open Cup. That's our FA Cup. Uh, Before that, they had six straight wins and were unbeaten in nine matches. So they're still in great form. And now the battery, that's the nickname for the longstanding Charleston team. They won the USL championship in 2012 in their various uh, second or other lower division ventures. They have won titles three different times. 
2008, they made the final of the U.S. Open Cup. That was something that I did not know coming into this week. That's really good against MLS teams even back then. Last year, not much of a year for them. They finished 12th in the East. This year, it would appear the the improvements have been on offense. They're top four in that regard. It's not a real high-scoring division. They're not even getting one and a quarter goals per match. Uh, The defense... They're a little bit below average as far as the ordinal ranking, but things are pretty tight in that regard. They're top five in goal differential. They're going to make the playoffs, even though they have a negative goal differential right now. Tied for number one in assists in the league with four is Fidel Barajas, their left winger, just 17. What were you doing when you were 17 years old? I know what I was doing. It was uh, uh, mediocre, not professional sports. It was bad intramurals. Uh, This is a guy who came up with Sacramento and San Jose both, so he is no fluke. Second best in clearances on the season per 90 minutes with six is Leland Archer from Trinidad and uh, Tobago. He is their center back. Tied for number one in clean sheets with six on the year is Trey Muse. That's a cool name. Sounds like he should be a musician or an actor or something. He was with Seattle, but never made any senior appearances there. He's an interesting case. I mentioned that their uh, defense wasn't all that great. And yet here he is. Well, what's the deal? When he wins, he pitches a clean sheet. When he loses, he's given up as many as seven from what I've seen. And that's not a fluke. He gives up a lot when he's not uh, on the top of his game. Their MVP has been on the defensive side. I think they're right back uh, because he gets up on offense. Three goals, good tackler. That's Derek Dodson. He was with Orlando, but once again, a guy who never made any senior appearances. So these are a lot of players that with a good year or two, we might end up seeing move up a division, which is part of the reason that we do the second division. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one they are in their last three, Charleston. Match number three. Match number three is the biggest club match of them all worldwide. No offense, FIFA Club World Cup, but it is time for the UEFA Champions League at the neutral side in Istanbul. Manchester City versus Internacional Milan. Uh, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, CBSN Univision, should you prefer the Spanish language podcast. And you know what? Everybody in the world, Person Oob, is going to be doing, uh, you know, a thousand minutes of preview on this. There's very little we're going to be able to tell anybody that they don't already know. So I decided to do a little something fun. Since Daddy is a Scrabble nerd, did a little checking, and I want to see which team you think is going to win just based on this. If you uh, put Manchester into a world of Scrambler and uh, add a blank, you can get to the word preachments which is like sermons, I guess, preachings. Internazionale, which is Italian for international, which is the other team out of Milan, you can anagram that too. Interzonal. Neither of these are overly exciting words, probably, are they? No. But nevertheless, based on these two words, which one do you think is going to win? The the, inters, the Internazionale Interzonals or the Manchester uh, City Preachments? Interzonale. <laughs> I, what? The, the interzonal? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're only 11 person. You're not allowed to be this drunk. I'm not the most conservative parent in the world with some things, but let's try to stick with beer and stop getting into daddy schnapps. There's no schnapps here. Don't worry. Don't call anybody on us. It's a joke. Is there? What? <laughs> oh, my daughter is now just huddled by the daybed. Curled up in a ball and laughing. All right, fair enough. So she says that Manchester is going to win. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, go City or something like that. And now it's time for Person Noob Sandwich Review. That's right. And 
Make sure to pronounce it with a B on the end. That's what we do with long O sounds. Person Noob Sandwich Review. Well, I don't know what's in this mystery sandwich you've made for me, but the cats are in here and they are devilishly excited in a way, and yet they don't seem to be trying to get their nose right near it. They just want to be around. Now, it's been a long time since we've done a sandwich review. We just used to make random sandwiches. They weren't even weird. and We would talk about them, and that was it. Because what else says soccer show like that? But now we've gotten in the habit of making strange ones for each other. And you have just finished creating a sandwich for me that in this dim light, the bread looks soaked with syrup or something. I'm going to need multiple napkins for this, aren't I? Probably. You're not going to tell me what else is in there. Are you going to have a bite of this too or no? Maybe. Um, also, not, also, this is... My candy sandwich. Candy sandwich. And, and, and you have to try and guess everything and it's that's in it. Sticky. Okay, I get a guess. All right, I'll close my eyes. That- <laughs> All right, well, it was. it's definitely syrup. I can tell just by the texture. Chocolate syrup is one ingredient. Chocolate syrup? Chocolate syrup. Is a regular maple syrup on here, too? No, just chocolate. Oh, that is the stickiest thing I've ever had in my hands. Oh, I can yeah. see the marshmallows. Uh-huh. I think by the texture, was there a graham cracker maybe or something like that? Or a no. Pop-Tart? Yeah, Pop-Tart. Oh, Pop-Tart. What flavor? Pop-Tart Sunday. Wow. And what else was in here? Um, I put car- I put some caramel on the bread, which is the sticky stuff. Chocolate syrup. Like, like mommy's caramel for her coffee, you mean? Just in general, caramel syrup. Okay. Um... Oh, and black raspberry ice cream with chocolate chip. It did seem a little cool in temperature. I didn't know we had black raspberry ice we cream. Do I'm interested in just getting into that now. Yes. Are you gonna Are you gonna have a bite and review review this with me? Yeah. All right. Let's. And by the way, what kind of bread is this on? I think it's on white or not wheat. Okay, probably doesn't matter. It was really weird either way. Go ahead, knock yourself out, kiddo. <laughs> Yum. Yum. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, there's the melted ice cream all over the place. This thing is huge. Yes, yeah, soaking the bread on the outside was probably an error in judgment. As if the whole thing wasn't. Did you get any in your mouth? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot all over your face, particularly <laughs> the ice cream. All right, so now, uh, what do we usually use? Like a one to five noob rating system? One to five noobs. And what are we comparing this to? Normal sandwiches we would get from places like Subway, which we are not sponsored by, but person who wishes we were. Yeah. One of these days, we're just going to name every single thing, every single match after a uh, sandwich and send it all this information to Subway and see what happens, right? Yeah. So, are we comparing this to other sandwiches or other weird sandwiches? Other sandwiches. Other sandwiches in general, on a, a scale of one to five, um, I'm going to give this a surprise two, and I'm not sure why I'm even rating it that well. The, 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 the flavors are just, I don't have the same sweet tooth you do. So I give it two, two noobs out of five for this review, but what do you give it? Um, a three and three quarters. Oh, wow. A very specific. I didn't know we were doing fractions. I would have dumped mine down by a quarter notch. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, now don't have your feelings hurt I you. When I, a- when I asked you, I said, so are you making a real sandwich or a weird sandwich? What was your response? Weird. 
Because, yeah. because, because what else would be fit for the show? Yeah. She's like, dad, this is our show. What else would we do? <laughs> like, All right. That's for, that's a fair point. So, um, Ultimately, this our culture break will probably come later when we'll talk about uh, something else, some other food. This is more nor- that's more normal than this. But in the meantime, this has been first and noob sandwich review. Match number four. Concacaf UEFA. We stay on Saturday, but we head off already for our third Continental Confederation of the show. Part of the reason we love doing this. Match number four. Comes from Indonesia's Liga One. Uh, they're pretty average, or maybe just a shade below in Asia. It's the number twenty-six ranked league out of something like forty-six or forty-eight over there. I covered this a bunch earlier in their season because they had such a tight race going on. Three, four, five teams all looked like they could win the title up until about thirty-five to forty percent of the way through the season, and then things settled themselves out pretty quickly. It seemed like uh, PSM Makassar ended up winning. Uh, very big by almost double digit points if memory serves. Uh, because of the AFC calendar changes when they host their international tournaments, they do a Champions League and other stuff. The champions this year are not were not guaranteed to make the Champions League. Last year's league champion and this year's league champion are having a home and away two-legged tie to determine who will get the single berth for the 2023-24 season. They just kind of pushed everything up a little bit. So, your matchup, this year's champion, PSM Makassar, versus last year's champion, Bali United. Bali, they hosted the first match and only managed a 1-1 draw. So, this is PSM's series to take. I have them. Let's find out why. PSM. By the way, uh, Makassar is the capital of the South Sulawesi province, which is in eastern Indonesia, for those who might be familiar with the geography. It's the fifth biggest overall uh, metro or urban center of the country, well over 2.5 million people. The club, they're ranked just inside the top 150 in Asia. So once again, a very good team for this region, just not one of the stronger regions in Asia. They've got an interesting dichotomy of mascots. They are known as the Red Fish, or if you prefer, the Roosters of the East. Uh, This is considered to be one of the greatest clubs in the nation, but mostly due to their pre-professional era successes. Uh, They're also the oldest one in the country. They were founded uh, well over 100 years ago, 1915. Uh, 2020-21, they made the quarterfinals of what is now known as the Champions League. That is the best they have ever done. Last year, they played in a secondary tournament that's sort of like the Europa League. I won't go into the particulars right now, but they made uh, this, there are five zones in Asia and the Southeast Asian one called the ASEA, and they made the zonal final of the ASE Cup. Basically, think of this like making the quarterfinals of the Europa League, if you need an analogy, European fans. Uh, This year is the first modern league title and maybe professional title that they have ever won. Last year, they were a little bit off the mark. They finished all the way down in 14th. And yes, I was close. They won this year's legal one I'm seeing now in my notes by nine over Persija. They lost just three times. No one else in the league had fewer than eight. So I don't think they were getting a lot of draws. They were very well balanced. Top three offense, top two defense. Uh, the top two on defense, nobody else was even close to them. They were uh, well under a goal per match on average. Two of the top 10 scorers in the league with seven each are on this club. Ramadan Sonata, 20-year-old striker. Uh, he is now with... He 
won't be playing for them. He went to a newly promoted Division One team called Persis Solo. And then their other guy is a Dutch attacking midfielder, 34 years old, but he's been in uh, this part of the world for a very long time. That is William Pluim. He started his career with a Dutch, what is now top flight club, uh, Vitesse, but he's been here at this club since 2016. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 4-5 and five goal differential. So, yeah, sort of mediocre on their form. Can Bali pull the upset? They're known as, and I'm going to mispronounce this probably, the Tridatu Warriors. My Balinese Hindu sacred tricolor pronunciation is just, I guess I'm a noob in that regard as well. But that's what that term refers to. The club was officially founded in 2015, but really this is just a rebranding of an older club and that happens in this part of the world and others quite a bit, quite frankly. Uh, this was the nation's first ever professional club and in Southeast Asia, even though they're not the very oldest. Again, they qualified for this final by winning the 2021-22 Liga 1. They have won two modern league titles, a little bit more experience on their side in that way. Two Champions League appearances, but they've never gotten past the first or second preliminary round. This year, I don't know if they started there or not, but they got to play in the AFC Cup. I mentioned they were in the group stage. This year in league play, they finished in fifth place, and the defense is where they were getting let down. This is not an overly high-scoring league for the most part. Uh, They were tied for number 13 down there, borderline relegation-level defense, giving up over one and a half per match. But, boy, they must be exciting to watch because they had the number one offense. They were the only team getting more than two goals per match. Distant third in scoring and still with quite a few. Uh, 17 he netted on the season is Ilya uh, Spasoyevich. He's a 35-year-old veteran striker who was born in Montenegro. He's been with this club since 2018. Team's current form, identical to their opponents today. 1-1-1, one, 4-5 one and one, and goal differential. Uh, my prediction here for what it's worth is that uh, Bali will only manage to draw on the road and we will see PSM Makassar get to play in the next Champions League. Match number five. Saturday action. And where? what country are we headed to this time? Canada. Our favorite, the Great White North Canada. The Canadian Premier League is now ranked in the new CONCACAF regional rankings as the number six one in our area. Both the regular season and their postseason champions will get to go to uh, the next year's, the newly named CONCACAF Champions Cup. Six of the eight teams in the league, which I think is too many, We'll get to make the domestic playoffs. Your matchup is number one, Forge FC versus number B, Pacific FC. Forge currently lead Pacific by one, but Pacific have a match in hand. You know what that means? No. That means they've played one less match, so they might really sort of in a way be ahead potentially. You can watch this one at 7 o'clock on Fox Soccer Plus, but there's all kinds of time to get into the Canadian Premier League as the season goes on. They all play each other like four times. So we're going to take a break for Person Noob to, to take over with her segment. Eminals, Eminals, Eminals from around the world. Oh, yeah. And Canada. Canada. Canada is around the world, isn't it? Yeah. Not all the way around the world. No. It's just like it's, north. It's just there. It is. It is just there. I think that's a great way to say it. So you have uh, done uh, a lot of your work on the a lot of work on your own this particular time. What endangered animal would you like me to eat? No. Oh, no. I don't get to eat the endangered no. animal. Okay. What don't. what Canadian animal did you find that is endangered or vulnerable in some fashion? The burrowing owl. Ooh. So burrowing, like it does it live in trees at all, or is it strictly on the ground? 
mostly on the ground. Mostly on the ground, hence the burrowing. Okay, and what parts of uh, Canada do they live in? The British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan. That one's hard to say, isn't it? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. <laughs> I, I, I said it fine earlier. Um, and Manitoba. Okay, so it's all over the place. It's a big country. And what is its status? Endangered. Mm, is it cute? Yeah. Is it cuter for being endangered? Yeah. Yeah? And how long do these little cuties live? Probably like three or four years. Is that all? And are these great big owls, like tree owls, or are they a little bit smaller? No. Um, uh, well, most of the time their size is 19 to 25 centimeters with a wing size of, of a 155 centimeters. Mm. It's a little hard for me to imagine for the wing size, but certainly considering the owls that I grew up with in Iowa and the in the, the woods of the rolling you know prairie that we had over there. That doesn't sound very big, which makes sense because a smaller owl could burrow more easily, probably, couldn't it? All right, what do you have for us for facts or fun facts or anything like that? Well, one fun fact that I found was that baby owls like to play hunt, um, and they do that by jumping on their parents' and siblings' back. <laughs> That's cute. I'm old. Don't, I didn't have you till I was 40, so no jumping on my back, right? You can play. You could jump on the cat, crush, <laughs> crush the cat's back. No, Even as skinny as no, you are, yeah, you're my little no. burrowing owl. The way you make forts. All right. What sorts of what sorts of things are dangerous to them? Um. Well, car collisions, lack of prey, and climate change are some of the main threats. Uh. Well, also one small threat is that they rely on little holes in the ground that are made by animals like squirrels and that kind of stuff. But uh. But uh. But there's there's that. There's a decrease in those animals, too, so there are less holes for them to rely on. Oh, so they're not starting all their own holes, these lazy little things. They're just interested in getting, using thing, other things' holes. Yes. And because there's fewer of those. There are fewer holes for them to That doesn't in. make me, like, wish bad on the owls or anything, but I don't know. I guess that's kind of cool. It's good work if you can get it or lack thereof, right? Mm-hmm. All right. How can people? Uh, how can people use their Google machines to find out how to help these animals? Well, now, well, now you got your good old new Google machine. You can go to a place called the Burrowing Owl Conservation Network that I heard about on Interweb. You can go there. <laughs> She's doing this old man thing with her arms, and I don't I think they understand what you're saying, but it's hysterical. And then you go to old and yeah. I'm, I'm an old man now. You're um, an old man now, um, okay, because uh, I called to the Google machine. Uh, are you going to interwebs and you go to Brewing Owl Conservation Network to find out more about these nation animals? I've got a little Adam um, Sandler in my hand. I don't even even know what accent is supposed to be, but okay, bur- okay, uh, Brewing Owl Conservation Network to find out yeah. more. Thank you, person geezer. <laughs> that kind of was out. You didn't plan that, did you? Are we going to re-record? No. No, we're going to leave it, aren't we? All right, well, guess what? That was Aminos and Old People from... Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from around the world on the interwebs. It would seem that the uh, ferocious felines have taken a hostage and they have only one singular demand, a recap of last week's matches. 
All right. Normally we don't negotiate with feline terrorists, but they shall have it. Match number one last week was a Saturday match from the UEFA Champions League final on the women's side of things that was played in Eindhoven in the Netherlands. Number one, Barcelona versus number three seed Wolfsburg. And wow, what a match. Barcelona claimed another title, three to two. For Wolfsburg, the gal that we said to look for, uh, Eva Payor, she had a goal and an assist both in the first half. Barcelona gals we said to look for, Caroline Graham Hansen and Aitama Bonmati both had assists. All three goals came in the second half. What an all-timer of a comeback. Match number B from the Scottish FA Cup. Celtic took on second division Inverness Caledonian Thistle, and it wasn't a blowout that many expected, but Celtic did top them 3-1 to one for that trophy. Match number three from the CAF Confederation Cup Final. That's the secondary tournament in Africa. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie between USM Alger and Young Africans. It was Young Africans getting a no-one win out of Tanzania, but that was not enough. That tied things 2-2 two to two on aggregate, and that means that ASM Alger win the title 2-2, two to two, but on the away goal tiebreaker. They're still using that there. Match number four from Australia's A-League Men Grand Final. That basically means the playoffs. Number one, Melbourne City took on number B, Central Coast Mariners. Well, took on, well, they showed up, barely. They did get a goal, but they lost one to six. What an absolute and quite frankly, unexpected blowout in my opinion. Sunday, match number five from the CONCACAF Champions League final, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Leon and LAFC. It was Leon getting a no-one win, which means they returned the Champions League title back to Mexico after the U.S. had won it for the first time in uh, basically the modern era of the last 20 years, 3-1. to one. Match number six was from Belgium's first Division A, the last match of the season. We had Jank taking on Antwerp, and they drew 2-2. Two to two. That opened the door for USG, uh, which is St. Joe but they blew a 1-0 lead, and thusly the title letting in not one, not two, but three late goals in their last game. So your final order ended up being Antwerp number one. Jank finished in second and USG in third. Everything stayed the same and only the top two get to go to the Champions League. Sorry, USG. Monday, match number seven from the Bundesliga relegation playout match final. Second leg in the home and away two-legged tie between uh, Hamburger and Stuttgart. And Stuttgart getting a 1-3 win, putting an exclamation point on a 1-6 overall aggregate score and getting to retain their slot in the Bundesliga for next year. Match number eight from Liga MX Femenil, the Clausura Laguila Finals. That's the Mexican women's top flight playoff final. Second leg in the home and away, two-legged tie between number three, America, and number five, Pachuca. The result was an America 2-1 win. And so they have reclaimed uh, yet another title. Wednesday, match number nine for Major League Soccer. Number four in the West, Dallas took on number one in the West. Expansion side, St. Louis City, but the expansioners did fall on the road this time. Dallas with a 2-0 win. No change in the table immediately following that match. Match number 10, the Europa Conference League final from Prague. We had Fiorentina and West Ham from Italy and England, respectively. And it was West Ham, no real big surprise, getting a 1-2 win and claiming a Europa League berth for next year automatically. And now your three bonus matches with explanations will be coming later. Thursday was the route of the week from Finland's Vikosliga, the top flight for the men. Uh, number B, SJK, took on number 14, last place, VPS. 
Let me scroll down and see how that one went. No real surprise, but not a blowout. SJK did get the 2-1 win. For VPS, their top star did have a goal, the equalizer of the 70th minute for Ronnie Hud. SJK got the game winner, actually, in the 92nd minute. So more high drama than we're used to seeing there. Friday was the most meaningless match in the world for the Chinese Super League, and the result between these two mid-tablers was uh, Zhejiang Professional getting a 3-0 win over Shenzhen FC. And then finally, your match was disappointed from St. Kitts Premier League. We brought it back home to CONCACAF, the bottom two teams from this particular Caribbean league, though. Number 11, Security Force. They got it done 2-1 over number 12, and now even more furtherly distance, uh, Sandy Point 2-1. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into the upcoming week's match previews with... Match number six. Now, those Saturday matches are all fine and dandy both, but Sunday is the big day I'm looking forward to because my favorite African team in the world is playing for their second straight continental title. Match number six comes from the CAF Champions League. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. They're not doing a single one like they do in Europe at some neutral site. You'll be able to catch this if your satellite package runs deeply enough on BN Sports, one of their channels, 3 o'clock Eastern time in here in the U.S. The only club in the world named for a singer, and I think if she were still with us, she would be about 105 years old or something like that. Number B, Why Dad? In, in that seating, by the way, is in all of uh, Africa, second best, even though they won the Champions League last year. And they are playing host to the second leg to number one mighty Al Ailey out of Cairo, Egypt. Al Ailey won the first leg two to one. Uh, so why dad have their work cut out for them? Because away goals uh, are the tiebreaker. And so they have got to uh, not just make up a goal, but uh, maybe keep Al Ailey scoreless. Series between these two, Al Ailey recently have had a slight edge. They played a dozen times. Uh, they've accrued a 5-4-3 and three record. Why Dad, the Red Castle. This is a, a club that I have often referred to and seen in writing as Why Dad Casablanca. But this club was formed in relation historically to the independence movement and is related to France. And so they very much see themselves as a national team. And I absolutely love that. Uh, they play in Africa's number one ranked league, by the way, uh, the Batola. Again, they are the defending event champions. They've won the Champions League three total times, so they qualified that way. They also won last year's Batola, so they were going to be in no matter what. I don't think the winners of this event actually automatically get an invite to the next year. That's very interesting. I also know that the uh, Confederation Cup Championship uh, which is their version of the very much their version of the Europa League, that the winner of that does not automatically get into the following year's Champions League. I kind of wish they'd change that. All right, back to Whitehead. Uh, they advanced to the final 2-2 on away goals over a very good South African team that ran away with their league again this year, Mamelodi Sundowns. Key player to look for, top 10 events score with five is uh, Bully Sambo, their Senegalese forward. Get an idea of what they're look like in general here in this year's Batola Plo. Botola Pro that is going on. They're currently in second place, one point behind a club that is just a bunch of alphabet soup, A-S-F-A-R. I think the R is for the city of Rubat. They are very well balanced, second best offense, third best defense in the league, in a league that is a very defensively oriented top two goal differential. The top two teams from this uh, league will get to make next year's Champions League, so they should be there again. I think that they have uh, made this a two-horse race. All right, all Ailey. 
coming to close things out. The Red Devils, the Red Giant, that whole stadium, hopefully only figuratively, not literally, will just be running absolute blood red everywhere. The Egyptian Premier League is the second rated one currently in Africa. There's nobody overly close to these two when it comes to the top leagues. They qualified in an interesting fashion last year, just like the AFC match I mentioned earlier in the show. They've done some calendar changes. So the 2021-22 Egyptian Premier League, they couldn't wait all the way to the end of the season to see who the top two teams were going to be and who would earned the normal automatic qualifying berths. So they said, all right, after round 24, like three quarters of the way through the season, we're going to see where everybody is. The top two teams at that point will get to go. Well, Al-Ali were in third at the time in points per game, or second at the time in points per game, but they actually ended up finishing third. So Pyramids or some other team ends up probably feeling like they got hosed. Nevertheless, Al-Ali is a very uh, common face, you know, the greatest African team of all time. It's no surprise that they're here. They're currently in second place in their Premier League, but they have six matches in hands against the other teams. They're undefeated. They're definitely going to win the Premier League. They've got the number one offensive league getting almost two goals per match, and they've given up well under one goal every three matches on average. Just uh, un, They just can't be scored upon nearly. Tied for number one in event scoring is the singularly named uh, Karaba, Egyptian winger for them. He started his youth career, bounced around, and he has finally returned at, I believe, age 29 to his boyhood club. Team's current form, they haven't lost since a League Cup match back in March. That's not even their FA Cup. That's like a tertiary one that they were probably playing their you know reserve teenagers or something. Since then, not only have they not lost, but they've only even suffered a single draw. I really want to pick wide at on this one, but given that in a way they're down kind of one and a half goals, even if they get the win today, that may not be good enough to win in a tiebreaker. Match number seven. Our weekend continues in the Mediterranean region once again, but this time on the European side of things, our feature FA Cup final comes from the nation of Turkey. For newer fans who may not be familiar with FA Cup, who have found us by the new name, you have your league to compare this kind of American uh, vernacular. You've got your league going on, but then at the same time, you've also got this. Uh, sometimes there are other formats along the way, but basically it's a knockout competition and it involves leagues usually or teams from leagues that are all the way up and down, you know, your top league, second league, third league, fourth league, etc. And the better of the league you're from, the later in the competition you get to enter. The two teams that are competing in this one are from uh, the Super League, which is the top flight in Turkey. And the winner does earn an international berth. They will get to go to the Europa Conference League, which is the third best international club tournament in Europe. They will get a second qualifying round berth. This final is going to be just one game. It is going to be in the city of Izmir, which is on the uh, European side of the Anatolian coast there, so on the west. By the way, the Super League is ranked number 12 in Europe. That's up eight from a year ago. I was hoping to get to this league season earlier in the year just so I could acknowledge you know, the earthquake from months back, but we just haven't had the right matches show up, and we always do the footy the service first, looking for the highest stake matches. I am excited to be able to get to one of these. 
So the seedings are from league play. Your final matchup in the FA Cup in Turkey is number B, uh, Fenerbahce, versus number five, Istanbul, Bashak Shahir. Series between these two, Fenerbahce have had the advantage. They've built up a 14-4-9 record. The two times they played this year in league in the regular season, Fenerbahce won both. They won 1-0 at home, and they won 1-2 on the road. This is a club we're talking about that's ranked just outside the top 100 in Europe. The Yellow Canaries, which I used to think was a silly nickname until I realized no noob. There are other, you know, there are other colors of canaries. They're also known as the Beacon of Light, which has to do, I believe, with some sort of structure in a very famous uh, garden. They are known as the Lighthouse in the Garden. They're in the Katakoy district of Istanbul. If you like your team's Rough and tumble working classes may not be the one for you. The Katakoy district is a very prominent residential and business area. A lot of money, very liberal over there. Uh, 28 league titles. They have won the most in the nation's history. They have won this particular tournament five different times. Been a decade since the last one, though. Internationally, they lost in the Champions League this year in the second qualifying round. But that dropped them down to the second best tournament, the Europa League. And they made it all the way to the round of 16. Pretty good year. Now, Because they finished in second place in the league this year, they've actually already qualified exactly for the Europa Conference League second qualifying round. They're going there either way. So if they win this trophy, that means that that berth will slide down the standings. So their biggest fans today are probably number four from the Super League season, Adana Demirspor, who would get to go in their place. The defense has been good. The offense has been Excellent. They're getting a little bit shy, two and a half goals per match. Best in their league in that regard. Only top five goal differential. This is a team you can't completely trust on defense, though. In this tournament, they advanced to the final 3-0 on aggregate over a Savaspor. On the event scoring leaderboard with three is Michi uh, Bashuayi from Belgium, plays striker for them. Uh, he was with Chelsea for several years, but he was largely loaned out to other, I think, mostly English clubs. But he has appeared for Chelsea. This is a known name to Premier League fans. He made close to 50 appearances with them. Team's current form, 5-1-0 in their last six, with a very impressive four clean sheets. So that defense that I said wasn't great during the regular season has really picked up. But Istanbul, Bashak Shahir, they will challenge them. Uh, Bashak Shahir is the district in Istanbul, out of which they play, and they are known as the Grey Owls. Because they finished down in fifth, they do need this to get to uh, the Europa Conference League or anywhere else. This is a fairly young club, especially as European ones go. They've been uh, around, they were refounded less than a decade ago. The team has won one league title, that was in 2019 20. Uh, twice they have finished runners-up in this event. Last time was 2016-17. They made the Europa Conference League round of 16 this year, and they've also been as far as the Champions League group stage. This is a team that, whether it's on the road or at a neutral site, will not be intimidated by going up against the historical Giants, even though they have lost to them already twice this year. They had a little bit tougher time in the semifinal. They advanced over Ankara Gusu uh, 3-2 to two on aggregate, and it took added extra time to get that third goal. The offense is not uh, anything but average. They're getting one and a half goals per at a moderately high-scoring league. They're not Italy, but they get a fair number there. But they've got the third-best defense, and they had a top-five overall goal differential. Key players to look for in league this season, two that I wear, a couple I want to mention. Uh, second best in save percentage. I love his name, Volkan Babakan, 34 years old. He's also well in the top 10 in clean sheets. The defense in front of him isn't quite probably as strong as he is, but they're good. 
Uh, to that end, their center back from Burundi it might be their MVP, and that's Yusef Ndai Shimiyi. I wish it wasn't him because that's a lot of Y's and I's in there, but what are you going to do with my Western tongue? All right. Uh, the next best player that they have going, because I think he might be out right now, either due to red card points or an injury, is Leo Duarte from Brazil, another center back. He's a very good passer, and he's the engine for their offense. So it's an unusual combination. Usually you'll see that from guys who are playing on the wing or a wing back, uh, 83% dribble success rate, but he tracks back well, still gets tons of clearances. He was with uh, Milan at one point, but he made less than 10 senior appearances for them. Team's current form, they have won three straight matches, and that followed on the heels of three straight draws, so they are rounding into form well. Match number eight. Oh, I don't know if you hear that or not, but here for match number eight, uh, under that sounder, you might be hearing noobs tumbly getting a little rumbly i'm like a poo bear i need some food i don't think i'm hypoglycemic or anything but it's time to take a culture break that's what we always do this time of show we use soccer or football as an excuse to learn about the world and here the culture break nine times out of ten that means food first i'll acknowledge the match that we were going to give a full mini preview here that's a little bit of an oxymoron but go with it from the uh, Ghanaian premier league which is ranked number 17 in africa or 27, excuse me. So they're one of the lowest ranked leagues that actually gets ranked, probably just a little bit below average for the continent. They are on their last match day of the season. The league only gets one Champions League berth. Your matchup that is so key from down there is number three, Aduana Stars, taking on number B, Betcham or Beckham United, B-E-C-H-E-M. Here's a look at the table and why this is so critical, even though it doesn't involve the number one team. Mediama, they have 57 points. They're in first place. Uh, Betcham, they have 54, but they're up on goal differential. So a win for them and a loss for Mediama would mean that there was a change in the table and Betcham United would be your number one team, regardless of what the scores were. Uh, Aduana, it's not really as critical for them. They're back down at 52. Nice season, but you know they won't be heading to Champions League. Uh, just to let you know, Mediyama, they have not the easiest match in the world, but it is at home against an average team called, uh, <laughs> it looks like it should be pronounced in Spanish, Real Tamale, because it's spelled exactly that way. But that's all you're going to get from me for this particular way. The Champions League is really the big thing going on in Africa. So rather than a full recipe, let's just take a little bit of a break to learn about something that I read up on looking for traditional foods from this particular part of the Bono as opposed to the East Bono region of Africa. It's particularly popular there, something called Angua Mu. It's not a dish by itself, but it's basically referred to as oiled rice. This is unlike fried rice, which is very, uh, Chinese-style uh, fried rice is very popular in this part of Africa. But unlike fried rice, when you cook this, you cook this rice before frying it. You oil it. The oiled rice is cooked by first onion frying the oil. Then you add the water after the onions have already been browned. And this gives it a really, really nice fragrance, which is, of course, so attached to taste. The rice is then cooked in the water oil mixture to give the a rice a nice oily feel. I don't know if I would like that texture or not, but I would sure want to try. Uh, then you can cook it with vegetables, minced meat, whatever you want to do to taste it. Uh, make it to your taste. But then, very importantly, if you want to be traditional for this area, they will use some earthenware ground pepper and then serve this most frequently with either tinned sardines or fried eggs. That really is a full entree. This is more of a, I suppose, when Europe would be a tapas almost, sort of complementing that rice. So, 
You may not know a ton with a full recipe here, but now you know a little bit more than you did before. I don't know about sardines, but again, noob will try anything once. Match number nine. The last of our weekend matches is one from Italy's Serie B. Yes, we're going to do a featured promotion playoff final. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Newer fans, here's what I'm talking about. Most parts of the world, uh, teams say you're talking about uh, a league that's the second best in a country. The teams that are at the very top, they will move up a league at the end of the year, replacing other teams that move down from above them. And then the same thing happens at the other end of the table as well. In Italy's very large second division, the top two teams were automatically promoted for Serie A next year. The next six finishers, number three through eight in the regular season, have all been having a little mini tournament to see who is going to claim the third and final spot. And these Western European leagues, there's a lot of money on the line, so it's a really big deal, TV rights and whatnot. You can catch this live here in the States, uh, 2.30 Eastern Time, Fox Soccer Plus. Number three, Bari versus number five, Cagliari. Uh, leg one, Cagliari only managed a 1-1 draw. We'll talk about Barry first. Give you a little geography on it if you're not familiar. I wasn't. They are on the Adriatic Sea at the top of the boot. So they're on the east kind of central southeast coast. City of about 325,000. Unfortunately, perhaps most famous in history buffs because of a lot of chemical warfare deaths that happened there after a seaport uh, bombing. Yikes. Back to the footy. <laughs> the Cockerels, that's how they're known. They're one of the best from the southern part of Italy, which isn't necessarily saying a ton. The, the greater powers tend to be in the north, but not all of them. They're the best from the Apple, uh, Apulia region, probably. They're a yo-yo team, bounced back and forth between the top two divisions. They've had a lot of financial troubles. I think one of their owners was fairly recently even uh, investigated for very serious fraud. They were refounded in 2018 and then weren't even allowed to participate in Serie B in the 2018-19 season. But they have bounced back nicely. Uh, they are the two-time Serie B champions. 2008-2009 was the last time. Uh, they were last in Serie A, by the way, 2010-2011. But more recently, they were made to restart in Serie C, at least maybe even lower. They won that third division last year. Now here they are potentially getting ready to move up yet again. They did not compete really hard for either of the two uh, top two titles. They finished, or top two slots, I should say. They finished eight points behind number B, Genoa. They finished five points ahead of Cagliari. As far as their stats, it's funny that Italy's top flight is incredibly high scoring, probably uh, the most offense there to be found in any of the major Western European leagues. And yet Serie A-B, not so much so. One and a half goals was good enough to be a top two offense. Got a top five defense, and yet that's less than a goal per match. Key players to look for, number three in the league in goals, plus assists with 22, Walid Chidira from Morocco, center forward. Uh, he was also league best at drawing penalties. He's been targeted by Tottenham. I don't know that he would start for them right out of the gate. Could get loaned back here or somewhere else, but look for him to, for better or worse, they're not a team noob favorite, uh, make a move to the hotspur. On the defensive side, number one goalkeeper and save percentage, and I think maybe clean sheets, uh, Elia Caprile. He's been linked with a move to Benfica, one of the big three over in Portugal. That's a top seven league. He actually appeared with Lee, or didn't appear, but he was with Leeds, I think, when they were in the second division in England, but he never made any senior appearances for them. Teams form one, one, and one in their last three. And now Cagliari, they are known as the Islanders from Sardinia. The city is about a half a million people, maybe a little bit less. 
internationally, it's been a minute since they've had any real success. They made the semifinals of what is now known as the Europa League all the way back in 1993-94. And that was their last international appearance as well. Their only Division I title was in 1969-70. But they've been in Serie A much more recently. They actually won this league, the second division, just back in 2015-16. Now, I was taking a look at their 80-some years or whatever. They have spent exactly one year more than half of their existence in Serie A, so almost your definitional yo-yo team. Last year, they made the playoffs but couldn't move up. They finished the regular season in fifth place. This year, pretty well balanced. They're not my favorite, especially here on the road. I don't think they get enough offense, even for this league. But they do have a top three defense, did have a number four uh, goal differential. They will be no easy meet, even on the road. Key player to look for. Number one scorer in the league is there. If they can shut him down, it's a done deal. That is Gianluca Lapadula, Peruvian center forward, who is also second best in the league in goals plus assists. Even though he's from Peru, he's been a lifetimer in the various Italian leagues. Best club he ever played for. And I'm not sure he's done a ton of senior apps with Serie A teams, but he did play for uh, Internazionale, Inter Milan, for a year. The team also has two of the top three accurate long ball passers in the league, and I didn't see a real lack of volume there. So if you like that sort of game, this would really be an interesting one to watch on Fox Soccer Plus. But I think their MVP is probably on the defensive end. That's their center back, Alberto Dosena, but he is out for red card discipline. So one wonders if their defense you know, might not, you know, how they're going to shore that up and if they'll be able to take that hit. Team's current form, two straight draws, but before that, seven straight wins. And match number 10, we're done. Finally. Whew, that was a lot of tracking. So you get Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off, at least from our main matches. Don't forget, we still got our three super fun bonus matches after this. The last week of our traditional episode, Soccer Week, is Thursday, and we're going to do a truly mini-preview this, despite our name having America in it. This tournament is not quite such a big deal as some other ones. The CONCACAF Nations League has reached a semifinal. Remember, newer fans, CONCACAF is our region. Nations League is not the same thing as the Gold Cup. This tournament actually serves in part as a qualifier for the Gold Cup, so this gets held in the off years, the Nations League. Uh, All four of the remaining teams left in the semifinals have already qualified for the next Gold Cup just by getting this far. Nevertheless, they want the trophy. They're going to be holding the whole thing in Paradise, Nevada. Now, the group stage for the part that these four were in, which is called League A within the Nations League, was 12 teams, four groups of three. Each one played a double round robin. Your matchup for the semifinal, we couldn't ignore it. Uh, number B in the region USA, according to CONCACAF, versus number one Mexico. I think that their FIFA rankings would actually switch that around. Neither here nor there. You can catch this on Univision, 10 p.m. Eastern time. I don't think at this point there's even an English language channel specifically carrying it. So let that tell you why we're only giving it the emphasis that we are. Now, the last nearly 20 games, the USA have had a little bit better of the series overall between competitions and friendlies, uh, accruing an 8-6-5 and five record against El Tree. Uh, the winner will get either Panama or Canada, who can ever, can have, uh, whoever can come out on top of the other semifinal. A little bit about the USA. They are ranked number 13 in the world by FIFA. They won the first version of this event back in 2019-2020. 
In group stage play this time, USA won their group by five over the number seed in the region, El Salvador. They went 3-1-0 with a very impressive 14-2 goal differential. Number one League A scorer, so not for the entire event, but amongst the top third of the teams involved, was Jesus Ferreira. For the USA, he had four goals, still just 22 years old, playing center forward for FC Dallas. You've got to think it's only a matter of time before he's off somewhere. Rumors about a Napoli move have been uh, made in recent months, but I feel like that needle has you know, ticked backwards just a little bit. Time will tell. He is tied right now for first place in all of Major League Soccer for goals with 10. Red hot. This team's Current form, 2-1-0 in their last three, the two wins in this event, plus a draw that they had in a friendly with Colombia. And now Mexico, ranked worldwide by FIFA, number 15. Uh, they finished in second place in the first version of the Nations League, to the U.S., of course. They won their group by two points over number six-seeded Jamaica. They were not quite as... Uh, Good on offense. They sported an 8-3 goal differential, went 2-2-0, though, still undefeated. No one in the event for Mexico has had multiple goals. I have that. I have a feeling it has to do with just how many players they're rotating through. Team's current form, 3-2-0 in their last five. Their most recent match was at USA in a friendly, and that was a 1-1 draw back in April. Bring forth the bonus matches! First and foremost, thank you very much to everybody who takes the time to vote. Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter. The beginning of every single week, usually Monday or Tuesday, I put up polls with the candidate matches. You vote. Dreamy content gets made. Oftentimes there are ties, and uh, you know we let Person Noob do the tie-breaking. But this time, we didn't even put, bother to put out one of the three polls for the route of the week. And why is that? Because... It's Lithuania. That's right. Abby has a special place in her heart for the nation of Lithuania. She read a very good book about a year ago called Words on Fire. Am I remembering the name right? Yeah. You remember who wrote it? I don't. No. No. You want to tell people what it's about, why it's your favorite? Um, well, it's about this girl who lives in this um house. Um, and then um uh and then her dad is a secret um book smuggler who um uh, who smuggles like who smuggles stuff to this girl in another um area, um, uh, and then uh, some Russian soldiers come um and then now they're taking over and this girl has to run through the forest. Uh, uh she meets this dude and uh, and then she meets a girl who and uh, and then she meets two girls. Um, and then the entire thing's just about her. Yeah, so it's all about the Russians chasing around and the, the relationship she's building as she's trying to do what her daddy was doing, isn't it? Yep, and then she has to figure out all the secrets of the book. Ooh, uh, maybe I'll have to read this well, book. So whenever whenever a person who spots a Lithuania, which doesn't come up real often on this show, uh, we do that. So the Lithuanian Premier League, uh, the top flight is called the A-Liga or Liga, L-Y-G-A as it's Latinized. It's only ranked number 38 in UEFA, so a little bit below average. They only get the minimum number of teams into uh, the Champions League. Their champion will go to the Champions League. Their next two will go to the Europa Conference League, uh, second or no, first qualifying round. Now, the route of the week, of course, is a first versus last place matchup. 
every single week. So the other end of the table is relevant as well. One of the 10 teams will get relegated. The second to last finisher at the end of the regular season will have to fight for their top flight lives by beating up or trying to beat up on the second best team from the second division. They're about halfway through the quarter round Robin season. They're a little bit behind the rest of Europe because they're a little bit further north. Now, person new, do you want to take a shot based on uh, you've been making Lithuanian flashcards and things at uh, trying to pronounce these two teams? I have an advantage that I've seen them and done them before. But you'll notice the back end of this word looks a little bit like the word for turtle that you know. So I thought maybe you could do the whole thing. Who's the home team, do you think? Um, Panavicious. Yeah, Panavicious. Do you remember the word for turtle? I don't think this is related to turtle, but it was a Vichlis. Am I remembering yeah. right? Turtles. And then this one, this is harder. Um, I, I wrote out the phonetic pronunciation over here. It starts with DZ, but it's pronounced. Jugus Tessing. Yeah. Jugus Telsing. T E L S I A I. That's the name of the city. The way I heard it pronounced online by a native, it almost sounds like they say with an NG, even though it looks like it would be Tulsi. All right. Uh, up at the top of the table, Panavicius, they lead a couple of teams by four points. The other end of the table, uh, Jugas, they trail number nine, Ritterai by two, and number eight, Saduva by five, which are the relegation playoff points and then the true point of safety, respectively. When the two teams played earlier this season, it was all Panavicius on the road, as you would expect, nil three. And in fact, in their last nine games, Panavicius have yet to lose. They have a 6 3 and 0 record. Shall we learn about Panavicius first? Yeah. All right. So go ahead and tell the folks about some of the stuff with Panavicius. Um, they're, uh, they're the fifth size, no, yeah, number five size city mm-hmm. with, um, 125,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a strong businesses can culture city because it's between two Baltic capital cities. Yeah. It's always historically been a very, very big business and trading point because it lies halfway between two very big Baltic capitals, other countries. That's the name of the region. Uh, the club was founded eight years ago, but they've had, uh, they've usually had soccer in this area for time immemorial. It replaced a bankrupt club called FK Ekranis. This particular version of the team was promoted to the A Liga for the first time in just 2019. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. That was the best they've ever done. How have they done in the FA Cup in their country? Uh, uh, well, they won it in 2022. Very cool. And they've made uh, two very early Europa Conference League appearances in a row. They haven't made any noise there, but given that they're a new club, good on them just for you know being there and leading the league this year. And they're going to continue to lead the league. It looks like they've got the number one offense and defense. It's not an overly high-scoring league, but the defense is still very impressive. They give up well under a goal every other match on average. On the offensive side, tied for number three in league scoring with eight so far is Ariane Smith from Nicaragua. We've got a CONCACAF reference here. Plays center forward. He seems to have spent his entire career kind of in the Baltic region, though, it seems like. Team's current form, they have won two straight matches, very low scoring, two and no goal differential. And now we won't try to say the whole name. Let's just call them Jugas. And what does that, now Telsiang, that was the name of the city. What does Jugas mean? Joy. Yeah, I, I've never heard of a soccer club or football club called Joy before, have you? I wonder I wonder if there's a little something lost in translation. Maybe it's like the Chicago Fire, the, the energy or something. But I think Joy is cool regardless. I read that there's a legend that says there was a knight of this name 
because a lot of knights were named after virtues probably back in the day, that he founded the town, and that's why it's still called this. Uh, the most famous thing history buffs might know, uh, particularly if you know a lot about Judaism, there was a very famous school here, a big yeshiva, that after World War II got moved to Cleveland, but they still uh, teach their uh, brand or branch of Judaism and uh, do things rhetorically the same way there that they always did back here in Lithuania. This club, like a lot of them in this region of the country, has been founded and refounded. This version of the club has existed since 2014. They won the second division in 2019, but they couldn't get promoted because they couldn't get a license to play at the top site. You know what uh, the top league? You know what that usually means? Uh, their stadium was probably falling apart, and they had to build a better one or find someplace better to play. Last year they finished in ninth place. This year, how are they on offense? Uh, number seven. How are they on defense? Number seven. How are they on goal differential? Yeah, so they should be able to climb up a little bit, it looks on paper. I don't know how much they'll be able to do on the road here against Mighty Mighty Panavicious, but this is not a team we necessarily expect to get kicked out completely with uh, the team of joy. They do have, uh, like so many players all over the world, or so many uh, clubs, on the scoring leaderboard for them, their top player on offense is Vinicius. They've got a Brazilian, 21 years old. Those guys are just everywhere. Team's current form, two straight draws, but how many have they won in their last five? None. None. So, route of the week, do you think we're going to get an upset, or do you think Panavicius are going to win, or do you think that Jugas can even get a draw? They're going to get a win. Oh, you think there's going to be an upset? All right, the Mighty Mighty, uh, I don't know what nickname they have. I didn't find Should we call them the Vichlis, the Turtles, just for fun? Vichlis. All right, Turn the Jugas Vichlis. They're going to win the game. Thank you very much for helping with that. And um, I always like introducing outside of soccer things into this. So thank you for telling us again about your book. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Yes, we celebrate in song the two perfectly middling teams from some league of the world for which you have voted. Welcome to the most meaningless match in the world, and thank you for the sing-along daughter, Dearest. The one you have selected is a Wednesday match. There were actually several in a tie, and this is the one we went with, just because it was latest in the week. Sierra Leone, also a league, just I've never heard anybody else talk about. Their top flight is called the National Premier League specifically. It is not ranked by the CAF. I mentioned earlier, I believe in relation to Ghana, that they only they only rank or recognize in a way the top roughly 60% of the leagues uh, in the continent. The others just don't get enough international play, is my guess, to make it really terribly worthwhile. Nevertheless, they do get to send a team to the Champions League, just like everybody else. Three of the 18 are going to get relegated on the other end of the spectrum, and neither of these teams have to worry about any of that silliness. It's very late in the season. Your matchup, number 10, Freetonians, S-L-I-F-A, versus number 9, Old Edwardians. I could find so little on these teams, I don't even know what the SLIFA stands for. Sierra Leone International Fire Ants. I just have no idea. I know what somebody named Edward would be, and I know what oldness is, so I'm a little closer there. All right, to the table. Uh, Edwardians, they lead Fritonians by two points in the table. And uh, then Old Edwardians also, they trail number one Bow Rangers by 21, just to give you an idea how far they are from international play. Meanwhile, 
uh, Fretonians, they lead number 16, Johansson or Johansson by eight points at the table. Not nearly as many to the bottoms to the top, but still so many teams that would have to pass by them that it's not even worth considering, really. When they played earlier this season at Old Edwardians, uh, they played to a nil-nil, perfectly meaningless draw. Fretonians, Slifa, uh, they play in Freetown, which is the capital. Last year, they finished in 14th place. This year, the Offense has been really, really poor. The offense has been a little bit above average, which in this league means you're giving up less than a goal per match. Number nine goal differential. So they might be a little bit better functionally than they're showing in the table, but not much. Team's current form, a win that they just had, snapped a four-match losing skid. That is all I've got for that one. Now, Old Edwardians, a little bit more. They are known as the May Park Boys. I'm going to assume that it has something to do with the founding or where they play... uh, Uh, do their practicing. I don't know. They actually play their games, as I'm sure a ton of these teams do, at the National Stadium right there in Freetown. This is another capital team. This is one of the comparatively biggest and most popular clubs in the country. But that said, they've only ever won one league title. That was back in 1990. Their success in the FA Cup there is a little bit more recent. They've won that three times. 2005, the most recent trophy they got there. Defensively, this is a team that gives up a full goal per match, which puts them in the bottom three quarters of the league. But they get a little bit over a goal per match, and that puts them at a little bit above average over here. Team's current form, well, they just lost a match, and that strapped a, a snapped rather a 3-1-0 streak. Longtime fans could know a guy with a connection to this name. I believe he stopped playing pro ball in 2014. His name was Mohammed uh, Callan. He played pro ball again until 2014, played for a mess of clubs. I'm not sure he was ever a starter, but places he was, including uh, included AS Monaco and Inter Milan. So there is the claim to fame for old Edwardians. This kid, and I say kid because he played with them when he started his senior career back when he was just 15 years old. And now prepare thyselves, mortals, for the match of... Yes, two last place teams from some top flight league in the world, barely hanging on. One or both of them are not likely to in the future. You have voted for a Sunday match from Kyrgyzstan's Premier League or the Kyrgyzstan Republic, if you prefer. It is ranked number 33 in the AFC, so close to about three quarters of the way down, maybe. They do not get to send anybody to the Champions League. When you get down to this level in Asia, you only get to send a team to the AFC Cup. Not that either of these two candidates are are, uh, in danger of earning that sort of thing. They are hanging on by a thread. One of the 10 teams will get relegated, and that is it. It's a fairly small league. They actually play a triple round robin, which is kind of unusual. don't know why they just don't go four times around. And they're just over a third of the way through the season. Your matchup, number 10, Carabalta versus number nine, Ilbeers. Ilbeers currently lead Carabalta by two. Despite the fact that it appears by the number of games that they have played that they should have played once already in the season, they're actually going to play the next two weeks. So this Sunday and then again in several more days. Both of the teams, in fairness, do have one to two matches on the teams ahead of them. It wouldn't help them that much in the table, but it would help close things out. Short things up might be a better way to say that. All right, Carabalta. All right, they've actually got one of the coolest crests I've ever seen. Once again, credit where it's due. I love the drawn mountain depiction in the background. Uh, it's got green for the tops instead of just going with you know traditional wintry colors. And then there are big gold bars crisscrossed in an X over it well into the foreground. Just 
stunning. And then a little bit, a bit of a purple trim around the shield all the way around. All-time great crest for a really, really bad Asian team. They play in one of the smaller stadiums in the league, Manas Stadium, only has a capacity of about 4,000. The city of Karabalta, and it is a hyphenated one, but that is the full name. It's in the very north central part of the country, about 50,000 people, uh, maybe about 40 miles west of the capital city of uh, Bishkek. Used to have a lot of uranium ore mining, which, as you would imagine, the Russians were very interested in. But I believe they ran out of that. So now they just mine other stuff that I can't really pronounce. Stuff that starts with like an M and a B put together at the beginning of the word. It's awful. Uh, Last year, they finished in 10th place. I still have yet to read why they weren't relegated. Don't think it had anything to do with COVID or anything at that point. Maybe there was just nobody from the second division who had the stadium or other things to be able to get a license to move on up. They were in last place by a lot, by the way, last year. It was definitely not because of mercy. They only scored five points in the triple round robin season to 27 matches, and they were 21 points behind the number nine team, second to last place, Talant. This year, they are winless. Worse offense, having only scored three goals in 10 matches. Worse defense, they know how to give them up, though. 25 of those. Woof. Team's current form, hey, They just drew against aforementioned talent, who are currently seventh in the table, and that snapped a seven-match losing streak, during which they only scored two goals. All right, now Ilbers. They are a capital city team playing out of Bishkek, founded in 2018, and I don't think that this is a rebranding. I really do think it's new. Uh, They finished in sixth place their first couple of seasons and have never done better. Last year, they finished in eighth. This year, they have only managed points twice. They've got a win and a draw. And uh, offense and defense are both uh, just beyond heinous. It would be the worst in the league in both counts if it weren't for how bad Carabalta is. And probably blessedly for Ilbers, that is actually all I have on that particular team because they are so young. But whether you are young or have a great crest, there are no excuses when it comes to the mash of disappointing. We will neither wish you good luck nor good fortune, but rather we choose to shoo you away in our harsh and traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's it for episode 139 of Soccer New Rock in America featuring Person Noob, where there is no offseason. We don't care that Europe is done or nearly done. We've got Major League Soccer, other American leagues. We're going to be getting into the lower divisions uh, a little bit as the summer goes on as well. And there will still be stuff going on in so many other continental confederations. Once again, no off-season. Please stick with us throughout the year. And pass us on on to your footy-minded fans if you've enjoyed our sense of humor and or the sorts of matches that we've chosen to give you. We would really appreciate it. We work hard and have a lot of fun doing it. Thank you to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations, as always, remain on fire. To my daughter, Person thank you so much for all the help you do, saving the animals across the world and everything else that you do, countdown duties and such. And thank you to you for sticking around for the episode. We really, really appreciate it. Once again, we hope you'll pass us on and that you'll catch us on again in a few days. Until then, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.